video games aren't just for playing by yourself or something to do when you're bored. It actually is how you can stay connected to one another. There could be a complete fire going on <laughs> behind this seat. You gotta add matchmaker to your resume now. <laughs> I don't know about that. And a little bit of goofiness on Twitter. You've been putting a little bit more on there as well. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Erin Ashley Simon. I'm a broadcaster, entrepreneur, and a cultural disruptor who's redefining what it means to be a creator. Welcome to Real Gems. Today's episode is about breaking down the walls that people try to keep you in as a content creator and about defining who you are as a person, as a creative, not allowing people to tell you what you should be and can be. This guest very much did that as not only as a content creator, but also as a nonprofit owner for Able Gamers. Please welcome Steve Spawn. Steven, thank you for joining us today. Uh couldn't be happier to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you because you and I have had conversations on social media just about pivoting and making a transition, especially when it comes to what you are known for. But before we get to that, mm. I want to first ask you, how did you start getting into just the content creation space? You know, um, funny enough, there, sometimes when you ask that question, there, there's not really a real origin story. And in this case, I have a strange one, which was, um, I am, you can't see on camera, but I, I use a power wheelchair and, you know, you can see the ventilator tubing in the middle of my chest. So I've, I've got a very visible disability, right? Uh, you, you can't really hide when you have SMA, which is a neuromuscular disorder. So it's, it's something that in a camera, you kind of can, but in real life, you can't. And it always concerned me that, um, if I put myself out there, it's a bit like lowering your shields, right? You have to be willing to take uh, public criticism. You have to be willing to face trolls. Something that, you know, uh, both of us do every day at this point uh, is, is knowing how to, how to deal with that negative element. And I, and I was very concerned that that would be the predominant thing that I would face in content creation. I, I was afraid people would make fun of my appearance, would go after my disability, and it was not something that I was ever really down for um and i was actually at a hotel with a friend of mine named craig and we were just kind of talking about life and how he felt like i had a pretty good talent for speaking publicly that i was fairly good at you know charming people when i needed to uh, and i was complaining that you know I, although yes i feel like i i can string a word good together but uh you know it it wasn't something that I really wanted to get into creation about because I felt like that was more for people who wanted to be professional actors. They were good at being in front of the camera. And, and I always felt shy about that. And he really said a moment where, you know, me in my power wheelchair and he's sitting down on a public bench outside of a hotel and we're just kind of chatting about that. And then he says, you know, if you're not willing to put yourself out there and be who you really are, then how do you expect others to follow in your same tread tracks? And I went, interesting. Number one, you use treads instead of footprints. And number two, you mentioned that I have to be myself and I can't be afraid of that. And I think for me, that was the, the origin of where this content came from was if I was going to go into the content creation world, I had to be me because being anything other than authentic would not only be 
disingenuous, but then it would give people more room to come after me for trying to hide a disability. If I was truly going to be a creator, then I had to just be me. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've learned too, is just being yourself. Because like you said, on social media, especially with the trolls, like they're going to troll you and they're going to say things regardless. Yeah. So you might as well be yourself while, while they do so. And so after that, when you decided to take that step and to get into content creation, what was what was that process like what did what were the things that you did to begin your content creation process because although there are probably similar things that you were able to do but also i'm sure there's probably some obstacles and challenge that you had to figure out because of the of your disability and so what was that starting process for you it was a lot of research. There was a lot of figuring out. First of all, I wanted to see what do the people who do this professionally do. Um, so, you know, back, you know, I don't even know, 12 or 13 years ago, you know, figure out what does, you know, Twitch look like in that landscape? You know, what were YouTubers doing uh, on scripted videos versus what were people doing live and where was my strength? And, uh, coming to the conclusion that my strength was not in scripts, not in uh, coming up with skits that I could do, it was the on-the-fly comedy. It was leaning into that improv nature that I've got uh, and sort of figuring that skill set. And, you know, unfortunately for me, um, it, it's a true statement that more than half of your communication is not with your mouth it's with your body your expression your emoting you know the ability to communicate without words is a huge part of our language and for somebody who has a neuromuscular disorder i had to figure out well that means that i have to be over the top at all times and um it, it, part of the challenge was really um if i am coming from a body that can't throw my hands around that can't uh, you know, facially express things uh, over the top. Like I'm, not, I'm no Jim Carrey with the you know tape on my nose. That's not my my style. How do I really get across who I am? And I found using things like uh, hyperbolic language uh, to really get across jokes and, and to really make sure people understand when something needs to land funny or is serious. Um, and I found those obstacles of just figuring out who I was as a content creator, what my voice was, was just as much personality for me as it was figuring out the actual logistics of how you do it. When you're when you're disabled, you have that extra level of, okay, now I know what I want to do, but how do I actually do it? Yeah, and giving out that extra energy, having to convey, you know, emotions and convey personality and all that stuff. Like it's very tiring. I know even for me, when I do broadcasting, the energy that I have to put out is uh, extra amount than I usually do just to be able to properly say things, to articulate things, to bring energy. So for you, like how, like when you're, when you're giving that energy out and when you're, you're, you're showing your personality and your content, like, what is that what does it look like after i know for me like sometimes i have to be away from a bunch of people to decompress because it's it's just like a abnormal energy level that i have to showcase and exhume whenever i'm doing any kind of projects so what does it look like for you yeah i i feel that i i have the i i don't have the 
need to recharge my social battery that I think many do. And I attribute that to I have 24-7 nurses. Um, so th there's literally few moments in my year where there is not a human being that is within earshot of me at any one time. Um, so my brain is very used to always being around people. Uh, but I'm also very used to uh, learning how to deal with feeling alone in a room full of people. Um, there's there's very much the, the double-sided coin of it is, and something we don't talk about, I think, a lot in content creation is you have to keep that energy level up so that you can be a good entertainer, right? You have to be engaging. You have to, you know, your energy bleeds through to the camera and you have to give that to your, your audience. And then they give it back to you and the idea is it's reciprocal. You can come back and forth and it makes a good show. Um, but if you're just in that space where you are in a room full of people and you're not really clicking and the things aren't going well, it's amazing how you still have to keep up the same facade. You can't act like it's not going right. You have to just keep winging it until it works. And it, that, perhaps, for me, is the most draining, is sometimes, you know, you know something's not working, or you know that a bit has gone south, and you just have to try to recover it. And I find those are the times where I put the most energy in, where it's, 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 I'm, I know if, if I crack, it's not a, it's not a fake personality trait but it's a if i let the sadness or the disappointment in that something didn't work or that a conversation is going south go through then it will sour the entire mood you know and you so you have to keep your mood up even if you're not necessarily feeling like you're in that moment yeah especially when you're alive or or you're in front of the camera you know so much goes wrong especially when it comes to technology that you yeah. you still have to smile and act like nothing's going wrong even though there could be a complete fire going on <laughs> behind the scenes which i trust me i completely understand you uh, on that front and you know you've been going through that process of okay I, I, i'm starting the content creation i figured it out i you know there are some of these challenges that i'm having to overcome You've been able to overcome them, and you've been able to build such a, a great career, not only the consecration, but also the nonprofit that you have as well, which we will get to later on. But, uh, you know, I want to ask, like, it's kind of a two-part question. What was your biggest accomplishment that you appreciated? And then also, like, what's your biggest failure that you also appreciated? I feel like we ha there's mm. there's definitely uh, learning lessons, and there's things that we can take away from both wins and losses. That's one of my one of the top reasons why you were one of my favorite interviewers is you have to show the darkness and the light, right? You can't you can't just always put yourself in the spotlight. Like, well, no human goes through all ups, no matter what you believe about your favorite Instagram star's personality. Believe me, they are not always happy. Um, and and that's something I think we don't talk about enough, right? So, number one, I think, um, in that light, um, there there is no figuring out your voice. I will say that. So, I think... Uh, in, in my three-part answer to your question, I think, number one, I don't think you ever do really figure out your voice. I, fig I, I, I find that I think we find what our voice is at the moment, and I think it changes. I don't think it's always the same throughout your entire career. I think you have far too focus on... I think there's, like, almost like college, there's majors and there's minors. I think you minor in things that come up to be a major later on. You know what I mean? I think that your voice can change and alter as you grow as a human, and so I try to find... 
what my voice is currently and what I'm what I really am passionate about. And I'm lucky in that I don't do content creation for my full-time rent-paying job. I can take some risks. I can try to do something more serious when I'm known for being uh, comical. I can I can do something that's a little more funny and have it flop. And it's like, eh, all right, whatever. You know, things like that happen. Um, but um, I, I so I think that's that's really where your voice is. I think as it moves. Um, so. The, okay, I'm gonna. You're gonna laugh at me for being cheesy. Uh, so. Oh, no, I will. Go ahead. Totally I'm cheesy too so, sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So my my favorite accomplishment. Yes, I have won awards. Yes, I've gotten to hang out with celebrities, the Ryan Reynolds, the Rocks, etc., etc. Anything anybody can Google about me. Those are all cool things. Um, but they don't mean as much to me as the sentimental things. So, for example, um, my Twitch community is not huge. I have, you know, 100, 150 people a night. Um, and I know to some out there, that's like, wow, that's a lot. And But to some, that's nothing, right? So I sit in the middle, you know, where I think... I, I like to think of myself as, as still a growing, figuring out community. But we're tight-knit. We're, we're good people. And we have a community. And... So far, I've got had three different instances of people who met in my community who went on to be in relationships. And one of them was uh, two people who were moderators for me who ended up getting into long-term relationship, and now they're off into building their lives together. And that Aww. would not have happened if it wasn't for that community. And, and being that connection point to me, I think... Uh, like I said, it's cheesy, I suppose. I should uh, I should list an accolade or something great that I did, but instead I feel like what I did was just be the connection bridge that let two people meet each other. I find that really cool. you you got to add matchmaker to your resume now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not starting, start, trying to charge services. Um, and um, to, to your failure question, um, there's a lot of them. Um, a lot of them uh, also stem from personal... Um, I feel... The relationships that have been lost along the way has mm -hmm. been the, the painful one for me. Um, I actually find um, a lot of inspiration from what you talk about on your social medias because you're always trying to guide people. You're always trying to help people figure out who they are and where they want to go. And sometimes I've tried to do that one-on-one -on -one with friends and I've had situations where I've been like, hey, like, have you considered doing this? What if you did this on your channel? There, you know, you could do this over here. And a couple of times that's blown up in my face where someone just did not receive my ideas as they were ideas, thought they were criticisms, and it, it really kind of soured the relationship. And in some cases, I had times where people just flat out just got super upset and didn't want to talk anymore and in a couple of those cases people would come back later and say hey just wanted you to know like you know i was just jealous and you were doing well and i wasn't and, and i i i couldn't handle that and you know I, I felt well you know i'm sorry you felt that way i never meant to make you feel like i was the superior one that i know better than you i was just trying to help the best i knew how and so i think sometimes the hard part about helping others is sometimes you go to to help and do the best you can, and it just comes off wrong. Where you're you're, ah, I know better than you, but it's not that. It's just here's my point of view, and I feel like this might help you on your journey. And sometimes that's not always welcome. So it it, it took me a while to realize that sometimes 
people don't want help, and you have to be okay with that, and you have to respect if someone doesn't want help. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think relationships and and relationships that ended, absolutely, I, I would consider as part of that loss or life lesson and failure process. I know for me, I've definitely lost various different relationships as I've gone, but but then it also goes back to like not only just like like the not even just like okay they don't want to receive help which is fine but also just understanding that some people are only meant to be in your life for a moment mm. and some will be there for a lifetime and some will be there for a little bit longer than a moment but won't be there for when things get hard and that's okay everyone has their purpose in terms of your life and what they mean to you and and what they give to your life and that's okay and so that was something I had to learn a little bit the hard way, but I think yeah. now that's what that's made me appreciate just the relationships that I have in my life who who, you know, it doesn't matter if they entered in when I was younger or now, just the people who've been there for me when I needed them the most. I think that has I, I've cherished that a lot more than anything else. Even cherish it more than than social media. You know, you know our relationship <laughs> with Twitter, you and I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, in addition to content creation, you have uh, the nonprofit Able Gamers. You do amazing work with that. For those who may not be aware of what Able Gamers is, what is it? What do you guys actually do for it? And uh, give us some information. Yeah, Able Gamers is a nonprofit charity that helps people with disabilities to be able to have the experiences that they want to have in video games by providing them the technology and the equipment to get them over the barriers that are stopping them from doing what they want. And, you know, there's the lawyer speak, but this is uh, a friendship show between me and you just having a conversation. So if you want to read the mission statement, you can Google it. But the truth is what Able Gamers does is we connect one person to another, however that means to, to be done. So if it's you come to me and you have a disability, only one of your arms is working, uh, you have uh, a neuromuscular disability where your hands don't want to cooperate with you if you're frustrated because your body's not cooperating with you or you know you have a barrier that you have to overcome, there's probably a technology out there that when matched correctly can help you overcome those barriers. And that's what Able Gamers does is we do a lot of outreach to the community, raise money, so that we can then either A, teach the developers how to design their games more accessible, or B, deploy people to those situations. For example, there's a player panels. It's a 500 database of people who are disabled to varying degrees with varying disabilities, and then we say, hey, do you want to check out this game and give your feedback and your opinions, and then they do so, which then makes the game better for other people who have similar challenges. And then C, by bringing in money to give out controllers. Now, the give out controllers mantra is hard because sometimes it, it, people feel like it kind of devalues what we do as simplification. You know, I can't just be like, oh, you need a number seven with fries and then I just hand it to you. That's not quite how that works. It's actually like an eight hour peer counseling process where like we have a conversation on a video call just like this and you actually tell me all the challenges that you face, all of the barriers you have and all the desires you feel and then we figure out what's the roadmap to get you from starting all the way to where you want to go. Sometimes that's small controller steps at a time. Maybe you want to play, you know, uh, Dark Souls, but right now you can't even play a two button game because you don't have the ability to push two buttons. So we have to figure out slowly but surely, how do we keep adding more and more buttons, more joysticks until you can get where you want to play? And, you know, 
having that ability to reach out and connect to other humans is such an understated part of what we do in the video game industry. It's it's something that I kind of hope that outside of able gamers, like just the general world is beginning to see is like video games aren't just for playing by yourself or something to do when you're bored. It actually is how you can stay connected to one another. You know, if nothing else happened during the 2019 era, I hope that that's what happened. Yeah, and you're doing a tremendous job with it. Like you said, you received awards. You're helping so many people. And also, you and I had a conversation about this before, um, about like how do you overcome how do you overcome situations when because you're so known for able gamers because you're so known for those accomplishments how do you overcome people not just seeing you or wanting to talk to you about accessibility or you know things pertaining to disabilities because you have so much more to you and and also you put out some funny sarcastic tweets and you have a lot of personality online but i feel like you know we talked about it before about how because we're known for something people box us in and think that's all we can talk about like how do you overcome that challenge so there's a couple of answers to that and the truth is much like we talked about in our conversations privately there's not a one good solution um People will always try to box you in. They, 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 people love to put labels on things. So it's way easier to think of yourself as this multifaceted person because you're in your own skin, you know your own thoughts, and you see things through your own eyes. But to somebody else, they've only ever seen me talking about disability, so that's who I am to them. And that's not wrong. The version of me that lives in your head, if you've only ever heard me talk about disability, is that my one strong suit is talking about disability. But that's just what that production team wanted me to talk about so that's what i did that's what the interview asked me about so that's what i answered about but that doesn't mean i don't like comic books and i'm not into astronomy and i you know don't like scientific theory and you know i'm not actually pretty good at math like you know there's there's things that you don't really get to talk about or you're really showcased about yourself because life doesn't give it to you and so much like you and i talked about again you have to create those opportunities you know um you uh, wanted to be someone who wasn't just gaming, and you talk about this a lot on your Twitter. You wanted to show the world more of, you know, what does Aaron have? And and you started doing shows like this. You started, you know, having opportunities for yourself to showcase those talents. And I think, you know, not everyone has the ability or the luxury to just go on YouTube and, and make a show. I mean, there, there's there's certainly opportunity for anyone to just grab a cell phone and point it at themselves and talk, right? But you, you really have to think about your roadmap. And for me, I, I didn't want to be Steve from Able Gamers for the rest of my life, and, and I don't. And I find, I find that we're not alone. I, I found since, I think it's probably been a year since you and I first started talking about that. Maybe a little longer because pandemic time is weird. Um, but um, I, 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 I'm seeing it in others. I'm seeing content creators who are known YouTubers that just don't want to do it anymore after a decade. I, I feel like it's more of a common thing nowadays. And I'm not sure if that's an age we live in, the era we live in. It, but it's made me start to feel better. It's made me feel a little bit more, quote, normal. Um, that you don't just want to do one thing in this lifetime. Like, it used to be like, you were a blacksmith, that's it. You're a blacksmith, that's it. Like, you know, that's your profession. You chose it at 20 and you're 60 years old, you're still doing it. But nowadays, 
I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. So I, I think now you can explore, you know. Uh, it's my favorite Maria Shriver quote is, you can do anything you want to in this lifetime. You just can't do it all at once. Ooh, I like that. I like that. But, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to try and do it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really follow the model. It, you know, it's fascinating because... Like you were saying earlier, your voice changes and who you are changes. And I think that last year when I turned 30, that's kind of at the point where I was like, okay, you know, I still like gaming and I still want to partake in things in gaming, but I want to be more than just that. And also part of it too is like certain areas of gaming is, is like very, very young folks. And I just don't connect. I, I still connect with gamers, but just not the younger demo uh, because, you know, obviously I'm probably 10 years older than them. And so I wanted to make a, a, a shift and a change because like you, I have other passions and interests. I have other very fascinating creators that I have connections with and or friendships with that I wanted to highlight outside of just gaming. And so I 100% understand what you're going through. And I think another thing too is just like, sometimes like what you what your goals are can change too. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, what you may have set as your goals for when you were in your 20s are not going to be your goals that you set for when you're in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. And you're going to evolve as a person. And, and that's completely fine. And so with you going through that process of evolving and talking about different passion mm -hmm. points for yourself, who? how would you say, like, who is Steve? Like, who is this evolved Steve or... Who is the Steve that you want to be in a, in a couple of years from now? <laughs> you know, um, honestly, I am trying to figure out how the version of myself works in the world that is not kind to people who have the limitations that I do. I very much want to be a public speaker. I am fairly good at one takes on cameras. I'm fairly good at having the ability to pivot in conversations and i have i've done the speeches and and you have been on stage uh, as much as i have you know there is nothing like the exhilarating feeling of when you land something that you wanted to say and the crowd reacts there is nothing on this earth like feeling the energy in the room i know that it's mystical and, and it can't actually be a thing scientifically but i swear to goodness there is an energy in a room and you can feel it and yeah. That is, that is a high that nothing else in this world can give you, and it's something that I love. I love when I connect to an audience and they go, oh my god, he has a good point. When I when I give a speech, and, and I've got my, you know, you kind of build on these speeches, and, you know, uh, I've got a couple of them out there where I, I think I did okay, and the points end up in a standing ovation, or it ends up with people cheering and clapping, and, and you're like... I landed that point. Someone understood what I was trying to say, and they and they felt it. And then later, you'll have people come up to you and say, you know, that you know this meant this to me, or thank you for saying this because I thought I was alone. And you really realize that your words meant something to someone. You change someone just by letting them know that they're not alone. And and so I think that's what I want to do now. And I I've got myself in trouble a couple of times on a couple of shows saying things like, I just want to go help people because the pushback is normally, well, you're already helping people. And yeah, I get it. If I wasn't around, Spawn Together wouldn't have happened and we wouldn't have raised a million dollars. But at the end of the day, it wasn't my money. It wasn't my million dollars. It was, I was just 
the rallying point? Did I do some good work by gathering friends like you to come in all together and, and raise the million? Sure. You know, I appreciate you personally and everyone who is listening who participated in Spawn Together. It was great. I was happy we did it again. I'll do it again this year. And I'm happy for that. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's just one side of being uh, able to help people through helping getting them past obstacles that life has put in front of them. And I feel like that extends beyond just the physical yeah, I love getting kids controllers so that they can play. I love getting adults the first time they can play with their siblings and by giving them the technology and, and helping pay for it. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of the mental health aspects that we totally ignore. Um, we touched on that briefly earlier about being alone in a room full of people. It's something that we awful ignore a lot. Um, yeah. I, we, we, we don't pay attention to depression, you know, burnout is such a prevalent thing and we just act like it doesn't exist, especially in American culture. We're just like, burnout, just burn harder. That's the answer. No, it's not. So, you know, a, a wise person I, I, I recently talked to, you talk about moving goalposts, a wise person that I talked to recently said, stopping is an action. And that was something that kind of rocked my foundation because I was like, you know, yeah, we talk about stopping and quitting like it's a bad thing. But sometimes if you know you're going in the wrong direction, you have to stop and go a different direction. You know, continuing to go the same way is not it. So I think future Steve is just leaning into helping get those kind of pearls of wisdom out there. I think you and I much are on the same track in that and that we want to reach people by... There's a lot of cool stories out there that really get hidden. There's a lot of cool stories out there that get completely washed over because they're not at the top of the news cycle. And I think we need to use our spotlights and our platforms to help get those messages out there to help even more people. I agree. I agree. And, you know, especially in this time and age where, like you said, the numbers are the biggest component, right? I, I, I always say there's always a story in everyone um, and there's always something that we can learn from from everyone as, as a whole and so we definitely learned a lot from you Steve today and I really really appreciate it so I have two last questions the, the one of them is what do you have coming up what do you have coming up for yourself what do you have coming up for able gamers I want to give the spotlight on you and everything that you do I, I wish I had a book to sell you but I don't um... <laughs> Um, you know, for, for Able Gamer stuff, we're gearing up for the fall, um, depending on when you watch this, uh, fall 2023 will be spawned together in September, and I'll be reaching out to all my pals, just like Aaron, and, and pulling in XSet, and all the cool things out there of, of the people that can come in and, and help raise that money so that we can continue to give the kids the smiling, you know, photo opportunities where someone is looking at a cool controller, but then there's the behind-the-scenes part where we actually have to do the work. We actually have to do the hours of helping these people, and it's not just all smiles. It's a lot of pain, and it's a lot of determination, and helping people get there, uh, it takes time. And so I'm happy to help do that again so that the wonderful people who are smart enough to be able to figure out what those uh, technology bridges are can help people get on them. Um, and then for me personally, um, I'm continuing to re-gear myself away from the accessibility space. Um, I love being an advocate, um, but what's coming up for me next is continuing to pivot away from it. You already see it in my Twitter and, and other places where I just don't talk as much about accessibility and disability anymore. There's some great advocates out there who are coming up after me. 
did I help them get to their start? I hope I did. I hope I did something. And even if I didn't, there are great ones coming up, you know. And and I, it, it's not a mantle that I feel like I need to carry forever. And so, you know, I I want to, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep going out and reaching out and telling stories. And I don't want to inspire people in the, you know, I put my pants on this morning the same as everyone else with a team full of people, you know, like, it, it's, it's, that's not, that's not me. I want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, greater ideas and how to deal with this world. And so what's next for me is continuing into that. I'll tell you, it's interesting. Um, our, our mutual friend, Hank Green, um, recently had a pretty tough diagnosis. Um, and he talked about it. And in his video, he said something that I thought, in a weird way applied to you and me and probably to a lot of listeners out there, which in the middle of the video, he said, I don't want to be sad, sick person. I want to be goofball science guy. And I thought how interesting it is that here's this mega internet celebrity who just doesn't want to be thought about in a negative light, which people like you and I are constantly aware that there are people out there who are trying to put those labels on us and we're always fighting against that and here's the guy who's just figuring out yeah it's not fun when somebody labels you differently and so uh, you know the othering and whatnot i would love to do more work to stop the othering you know we're all in this together we should all be able to fight together we all are absolutely in this together and you've been dropping some really great advice and thoughts and perspective but at the end of every single episode i always ask the guests What's that one piece of advice that you want to leave for the audience? What's that real gem that you want to drop for all the viewers and listeners? <laughs> I think the, the best thing I can ever tell people is that if you are someone who has a story and something to share with the world, you have to figure out how you're going to do that. And it's not a matter of finding your voice. It's not a matter of finding what platform you want to get on or even doing talk shows like Aaron does or advocacy like I do. It's a matter of figuring out what is the thing before you're off this marble that you want to contribute to the world. And maybe that's enjoyment for yourself. And maybe that is to help other people. And maybe that's to come up with a cure for cancer. Or maybe that's to chase money. Whatever it is that you've decided you want to do is... Once you know what it is that you want in this world, you have to go after it in a way that makes sense for you and bring that home for yourself. As long as at the end of the day you check off that list, this is what I wanted to accomplish before I'm done, then you've won the game of life. Because there, there is no other meaning to life. We all search for meanings of life. There is none. Chat GPT is not going to tell you the meaning of life. You're not going to be able to Google it you got to figure it out. And it sounds like such a cop-out answer, but it is the most realist truth that I possibly can ever give anyone is you're the one who decides if you're winning at life. No one else. Yeah, you got to figure it out. you got to put in the work. And also, you know, the most important thing is to be happy, healthy, and living in your truth. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us on The Real Gems with Aaron. Really appreciate you. Where can everyone find you on social media? Social media, you can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky and Instagram at Steven Spawn, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-P-O-H-N, and phonetically spelled Steve, I-N-S-P-A-W-N, on Twitch. Uh, two very different demographics. Go go to the Twitch if you want the goofy guy, and go to the Twitter if you want the more serious guy, and try to 
Spend your time on whichever side you think is more valuable to you. And a little bit of goofiness on Twitter. You've been putting a little bit more on there as well. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you got to make someone crack a smile, right? You got to. Thank you, Steve, so much. And thank you to all of the viewers and listeners who tuned into today's episode. Like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Let us know. What was your favorite real gem from this episode? What gem would you like to drop following the great advice and stories from Steve? We'd love to hear from you. Once again, my name is Aaron Ashley Simon. I cannot wait for you to check out the next episode and guests. We have a lot more in store. And until then, we'll see you later. Bye, everyone.